Hi friends and welcome back to the show. Today we're talking about the importance of infusing humor and laughter into our lives and why laughter sometimes really is the best medicine, how it can help us relieve stress, how it can help just make light of life and just the mishaps that happen. And so I hope that you'll enjoy this episode. It will be a good reminder to you to just take life and yourself just a little bit less seriously. Welcome to Building a Life You Love, the podcast dedicated to helping you step into a life where your passion blossoms from within, your faith deepens, and simplicity becomes your favorite synonym for everyday life. If you feel like you've been stuck between the what-ifs, expectations, and obligations in your life, but you're ready to step into a life you love, this is the place for you. I'm your host, Kristen. I'm an encourager, a faith-led entrepreneur, a mom, and a wife. Join me each week as we dive into creating positive habits, stepping out of our comfort zone, and making space for meaningful relationships and deepening our faith. Let's step off the path of expectations and into a space that feels genuinely aligned with us. Hi, today on the podcast, I cannot wait to have this conversation with my guest, Gina Ramsey, because we're going to talk all about laughter and humor and why it is so important to infuse this into our life, into our philosophy and how it can help us even live longer than people that don't have a sense of humor. So let me share a little bit with you about Gina. Gina lives in Superior, Wisconsin with her husband, Paul, where they have assumed servanthood of their three cats, Mo, Jack, and Rippy, and their wiener dog, Frankie. When they're not catering to their pets, the couple spends time with their three adult children and grandchild. Gina is a licensed clinical social worker and has worked in the helping professions for over 20 years. She facilitated numerous wellness groups and trainings, teaching others stress reduction tools to improve health and well-being. And in um, 2021, she found her passion for humor writing. Since her mission is to use humor and laughter to promote wellness in in our world and encourage others to find the funny in life's challenges. And this May, Gina actually released her first book called Burnt Glove Boxes, Embracing Life When It Goes Up in Flames. And so she's here with us today, and I can't wait to share her journey and all the things she's learned about humor. So. Let me welcome her today. Welcome, Gina. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait to talk about life's crazy moments and mishaps because I don't know about you, but if you uh, are married, if you're a parent, uh, if you have you know elder parents, you've probably had some of these things happen to you. And even if you're a single person, I'm sure you've had things happen to you too. So I can't wait. And I bet you there's going to be some great stories and a lot of lessons that you can take away for your own life. So Gina, can you tell us, just tell us a little bit about what life is like and this whole journey into, you know, how now, how you share humor and laughter for their well-being uh, with people? Yeah. So a great question. So I was never a writer. (laughs) Uh, I started college, did my bachelor degree while my kids were young, of course. So, you know, I can't stop juggling things. And I had these things happen. These our family, Murphy's Law situations. And so Murphy's Law is if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to us. And so I would tell my stories to folks and they would laugh and they're like, you have to seriously write a book. You've got so much stuff. And I said, that would be really a cool thing to do. So really my writing started, I had to take these glasses off (laughs) so you can see me. So really my writing started during my college. In high school, I was just, I had nothing to do with anything, reading, writing, 
I had to do it, but I, against, I dug heels in. So when we actually did have a glove box that burnt up and I said at that moment, that will be the title for my book. (laughs) And so I sat down at my computer and I typed out the different story ideas, like chapter ideas, Uh some little catchy phrasing, phrases and names. And I printed that off and I put it in a manila folder and I titled it Burnt Glove Boxes. And I took that folder around with me for about 20 something years. I went, Mm -hmm. took it on vacations with me just in case I wanted to write my book. Um, (laughs) But mainly too, because on vacations, you mentioned, you know, if you have kids, if you have elder parents, you know, that you are always going to have these crazy scenarios that pop up. So vacations is another big one. So I'd always yeah. bring it with me and I jot jot down stories as I went along. And when I tell my stories to people, they would say, oh my gosh, have I got a story for you? So then I started jotting their stories down too. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that is so good. And uh, so, you know, I think the first thing in hearing that is, well, first of all, I love that you shared that it took you 20 years of thinking about this book before you actually did it, because I think that's actually very common with people. You know, some people have the book idea in it. They do it quickly, but that's not what mo- what happens with most of us. I have a list of books I've started. I have, you know, book concepts that have come to me, you know, I just, whether it was a God thing or whatever that are sitting there and I'm like one day, you know, I think they're going to, they're going to get finished. But I think that that a lot of people can relate to that. And I think it's great to hear stories when we actually get the thing done, whatever we're doing, because it gives people hope that, okay, I might be holding around notes on my phone or this, this folder or this, this dream I have to release this thing into the world. And it's never too late and it doesn't matter how long it takes you. And so I love that you shared that first of all. So thank you for that. I think the first thing I would ask you is, were you always able to see the humor in life's crazy moments and mishaps? Or is this something that after you had kids or as you got older that you, you know, kind of learned that to infuse this sense of humor into your life? My dad was hilarious. Yeah. He was always joking around, um, not so much practical jokes, but always just making light of things. And I think that's where I, that spirit of just like laughing at things came from. But I would say that when things happened in the moment, some of the stories in my book, I literally wanted to cry or scream. So, but it's one of these things after the fact, Yeah, you start looking at the series of things that happened leading up to that and afterwards. And then that's where the humor spin came on a lot of my stories. Yeah. And I think, I don't remember what the, what the saying is, but I think sometimes it's almost like, it, it's all, it, you know, you can almost cry to the point that it makes you laugh, right? It's actually right. a release of, of emotion in some yeah. cases. Like you said, it's like, could it get any worse? Yes. And you find yourself kind of <laughs> almost laughing sometimes, right? And we all probably had that emotion, but it's actually because it's a release. It's a stress reliever, you know, when mm-hmm. something's stressful and we laugh, right? Or we are able to kind of see that in the bigger picture, this is just a moment, you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So why don't you first uh, share with us um, just a story or a mishap in the book that you enjoy sharing that you find people uh, can really relate to? Yeah, so I, and I don't know if everybody can relate to this, but it's one of the favorites of my fans, of my publisher. 
but it's the story called Poultry Geist. And so my husband, he's always the rule breaker, not in the sense of breaking laws, but he's always like, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> Everything will be fine. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to be fine. <laughs> so he um, he would go to jobs and uh, he would do drywall. And so these people in this rural area, they would have, you know, customers, they would have different types of animals. So and when he saw the animals, he wanted that type of animal. So uh, there was a guy that he went to the house and the guy was raising turkeys. And Paul came home and said, hey, I want to start raising some turkeys. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think this is a great idea. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. You know, um, just raising them for food and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, I'm well, if you're doing it, it's going to be your thing because so much as women fall on us, you know, including taking the animals to the vet. So I said, I'm out. Like, I will support your mission to be a farmer now, <laughs> even though you're a city boy. <laughs> um, so these these turkeys got huge and just hideous in my eyes. I don't know. Like, I think, you know, there's okay yeah. for every creature to be beautiful, you know, in the eyes of somebody. <laughs> but they were mean. They were mean. And they loved my husband. And they followed him around like he was a god. Like they would just flock to him and they would wait for me and the kids to get home from the grocery store or the kids to be playing outside. And then they'd strut on over and start um, harassing them, you know, fluffing up their, their tails and stuff. So at one point they're in their pen and I walked beside the, the, the fence and they followed me. And I thought, well, that's weird. And I walked the other way and they followed me again. So I started singing New York, New York. (laughs) And so I did the first verse, you know, start spreading the news. And I run from one end to the other. And these turkeys would follow really fast. And then I did this like, and Uh they would bob, they bob their heads. And so I kept doing that, singing the song, New York, New York. And then I started kicking my legs like the Rockettes. And I was just, I had them mesmerized for like that moment. (laughs) But other than that, they were, uh, they were crazy birds. And just watching them follow my husband everywhere was crazy. And then some things happened to the birds later on in the book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So did you tell me you got that on camera, but I'm guessing no. No, no, <laughs> I did not get New York, New York on camera. But I did get a couple of pictures of them with their nemesis, which is in the next next uh, story in the book. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's, I, you know, you're right. I can't imagine. Uh, I can imagine having chickens maybe, but not turkeys, you know, they're like, I mean, and cause uh, do you live on a big piece of property? Like, are you on a farm or are you? We did. Yeah. Different? Yeah. We had did. moved okay. from central or from the suburbs of uh, Chicago to this yeah. really, really rural, like post office and bar town. That's it. Oh, there was a church too. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. but you know, we had this big lot of property um, but these birds were crazy and I didn't think that they flew turkeys right. fly and they yeah. flew up onto the roof of our house one morning and they were stomping around up there and making all this noise. Yes, they oh were, they were crazy. So that wow. was, 
That was, so I did have somebody say, you know, well, it's not all Murphy's Law. Some of it's poor decisions. And I'm like, you are right, my friend. <laughs> that was a really poor decision. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, that's true. And sometimes it's not necessarily a poor decision, but it's a decision that we think we want to do something or we didn't really think about all the scenarios and <laughs> make a choice, you know? So like raising turkeys is great. If you're somebody that really thinks that this is going to become something you're going to do, like I know I not mind raising the animal, but the, the slaughtering of them and getting the feathers off. Like I know you can, you can also take them to the butcher possibly, but you know, that I didn't want, I don't want to do that. Right. So you like, right. we have to think through the whole scenario if you're going to do something like this for sure. Exactly. Um, but yeah, let's, so let's talk for a few minutes just about, you know, everyday lives and things that happen to us. What do you find in those moments? Like, how do you, how have you learned to allow yourself to take yourself a little less seriously and take life a little less seriously? Yeah. So with my, with my social work um, career, I've done a lot of uh, stress relief classes, well, you know, health and well, wellness and um, classes for folks who are experiencing anxiety and depression. And a lot of things that we did in those classes involved meditation and really just calming your nervous system. And really, I feel even though all my whole life, I've been, you know, able to find the, the curious and the things that have happened. I think looking at as I'm aging, being able to look at some of those lighter things, you know, did someone die? Um, I'm not in a war zone. I mean, I look at what some people are going through in life and it gives me a framework to say, okay, everything's going to be okay. And, you know, when your body is in that fight or flight mode, even with anxiety, it's doing it. Your body is releasing those same chemicals that it releases if you're like in a really dangerous situation. Because your body does not say, oh, well, this is a late bill, so it's a little different. So we're going to give you a little less of those hormones. Those hormones flow regardless. So it really impacts your whole entire body, your breathing, your heart rate, your digestive system. And so the goal is is to just try to remain calm (laughs) in situations. Not, I'm not preaching that it's easy. It's not, but... Yeah. Um, I think being able to just take a look with that framework and realize if if it's not like something dire, it's going to be okay. It'll work itself out. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that, you know, you sort of are alluding to this, but so humor and laughter are much like gratitude, which is sort of what yes. you're you know, kind of referring, which is. The, you know, at one I've heard, you can't be in the state of fear in the state of gratitude at the same time. Yes. So that's something to always think about, right? Like, am I anxious or am I fearful? Am I worried? But if we can shift that into gratitude, you, you won't stay in that state, that constant state of stress, you're shifting out of it. And I think yes. that's one way that we can kind of try to shift it. But I also think I saw a stat recently, I think it was Dr. Mark Hyman shared it. But he said, if somebody has is a smoker, and they have a chronic illness, Versus somebody that has long-term high stress, the person with long-term high stress is more likely to die earlier than the person with the other two situations going on. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all going to experience stress and stress is good in small doses. 
Yes. But it's the long term, you know, level where you're not allowing it to be released. You're not allowing it to. And, you know, as you share and, you know, that we've talked about laughter, having a sense of humor, you know, finding those silver lining and even in the hard moments, right? The kindness of someone, it helps us to relieve stress, right? Like they say that's yes. one of the um, benefits of a sense of humor or laughter. Yeah. And there's so many health benefits. Yeah. That. Well, and really with the deep breathing. So when you're stressed out, mm-hmm. you're doing a lot of shallow chest breathing. So you're yeah. not taking deep breaths. So you're not like engaging your diaphragm, which expands to help calm your, it's called the vagus nerve, but I'm not going to get real technical here, but that, that helps you to call, it helps your body to go into a calm state. So the deep breathing helps that singing they say helps that. And if you think about it, when you're laughing, you're doing that deep belly laugh, you're really gasping for air sometimes, you know, and that it's such a stress reliever and um, it's a great way. It's a great way to, you know, being able to laugh at things helps, helps that nervous system for sure. I love it. I actually saw once a Norwegian study said, I think they followed 50,000 people around. I don't recall for how long, but they said that the people that had a sense of humor, they lived uh, an average of eight years longer than people that didn't have one. And so just like we're talking about your it, having a sense of humor and finding a lightheartedness and humor and stress, you know, things that will relieve stress for us, like breathing too, they help us not only immediately have health benefits, but long-term as well. And so, yes. So anybody listening to this thinking like humor, you know, what, who has time for that? Or I, I, you know, you feel like you take yourself very seriously all the time or life there's actually a real benefit to us trying to infuse a little more laughter and finding things that are fun and enjoyable and lighthearted in in our lives. Yes, absolutely. I just think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you a question. Uh, One of the things that I love about that you share uh, about yourself and in some of the stuff in your book is, you know, uh, what I talk about too is, how can we tap into, you know, maybe being more, you know, childlike, being like a kid, but that whole idea of being curious as an adult, being excited by something, you know, having this enthusiasm for something that interests us or might interest us in for life. And you share some things that are, you know, that you like doing or, or that get you excited. Will you just share one, at least one of those with us and just tell us like, how does that like just brighten your day or brighten your life a little bit? Yeah. So, uh, I will use the ice cream truck as my example. I get crazy. My family thinks it's hilarious, but we have an ice cream truck that comes through our neighborhood on Fridays in the summertime. And it has the little tunes that it plays. Um, and it, it's got a benefit because they actually have scooped ice cream on the cone too. Not like when I was a kid, but it really brings back hearing that tune brings back nostalgia for me. And I will literally dump change jars if I'm broke, (laughs) (laughs) count out money as fast as I can and run out the door. And then I'm screaming for everybody else in the house. This is your warning. Ice cream truck is coming. And last summer, not this, not this summer, but the summer prior the ice cream, ch- I was counting too slow through my change and the ice cream truck passed 
and it was going down the street. And my son and I ran out. I was cold that day. It was a summer day. It was 80s outside, but I was working from home and um, I had a, a um, turtleneck on and jeans. And I go running down the middle of our street after the ice cream truck with my son. <laughs> and I told my husband the story and he said, you did what? <laughs> did you get it? No, I, no, I got to the end and it turned left and we totally missed it. So oh. I was hoping they'd see me in their, in their little mirrors. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I, I mean, just that being a kid, you know, whether it be, having music on and dancing around or playing with, with children. I think what really happens, and I don't know the scientific study behind this, but I think, you know, as we're growing up, we, we have this expectation from other adults, you know, grow up, yeah. act, act adult, like, you know, um, and I don't know. I, I think that, life should should lend to still being able to have fun yeah absolutely Uh yeah I agree and uh you know I definitely have you know things that that excite me you know or interest me but sadly I have to admit that when the ice cream man comes through my court I don't always go run out there but I now I feel kind of like oh I maybe I should that would you gotta (laughs) I definitely chase other food trucks I think and things like that but uh but yeah so I think the point is is just being open to just allowing yourself, right? Yes. To be like, oh, that would be so fun. Like, let's go do that. Or, you know, let's just pick up and do it. Let's try something. And so I just want to encourage people because I think it's, it just, it adds more um, enjoyment, right? To Yes. Because it's not just supposed to be all work, you know, it's supposed to be relationships and, and enjoying ourselves sometimes and, yeah. you know, being kind and all these other things. I think too, you know, my husband, when he said, you did, you did what you're running down the middle of the street in 80 degree weather in like full winter gear (laughs) after an ice cream truck, you know, are the neighbors watching this? But I'm thinking, you know what? I hope the neighbors are watching because we're all, you know, I think a lot of people are people watchers and when they see something really odd, they're like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. So then they got a story to tell to their family. So over the dinner table. And so I think ultimately it creates more connection. You know, I've got a story for you. I saw this lady running on the street, you know, so. Well, yeah, I love the, um, the idea or the quote that, you know, and, and I think multiple people probably said it, you know, one, I know it's in one person's book, Mark Patterson, but I don't think he was the first one that said it, but, you know, basically like live a life worth telling stories about. Right. And I think yes. it's so important. I, I just had written a story about something that happened to me. I was maybe in college. I don't remember. I just wanted to let you know, I'm so excited to share with you that the doors are now open to my new course, Faith Fueled Joy. You guys, it's been a labor of love. And we will officially start the modules in January, but I'm going to have a whole month in December of things to get you started so that you can step into more joy, you can step into more peace and calm in your life, and that you can really step into the role and the type of day that God has intended for us. So I'm so, so excited. So if anybody that signs up between now and mid-December, you're going to get all sorts of extras, extra um, modules to kind of get the holidays kick started in a calmer way. And then we'll start the official four week course in January. So this is really for any of you, just like myself, that were feeling like, 
daily life was weighing you down, or maybe that life is full of so many responsibilities and obligations that there was no time to increase or deepen your faith, have more meaningful relationships, step into or reignite your passion, your creativity, and and just have a calmer spaces and do more for ourselves so that we have more well-being. And so that's what the course is about. I'd love for you to learn more at faithfueledjoy.com. And by the end of the course, you can expect to find more balance and joy that you're craving through meaningful breaks. And this is going to be together with a community of women to support and encourage us that will help us stay on track and achieve our goals. But I want you to say goodbye to the chaos and embrace the life where balance means nurturing your faith, relationships, and passions one meaningful break at a time. I can't wait to connect with you all and take you through the strategies and tools and the research-based insights that have changed my life and other women's as well. You guys, let's create a life that's flowing with joy, faith, and purpose together. Once again, go check out all the information about the course at faithfueledjoy.com. That I was going to share my email email newsletter. I did not send it yet, but it'll go on a future one. But my dad and myself and my sister, and we have, I have three brothers too, but they weren't with us. We decided to canoe uh, over, through the intercoastal waterway. So it's uh, like um, we are in Virginia and we we're going to North Carolina near the Outer Banks. Mm-hmm. And it was a gorgeous day. But remember, this is 20 plus 20 or 25 years ago or more. So we did not have cell phones with us, you know, at that time. Uh, yeah. And so we leave in the morning. It's this gorgeous day. And, you know, we get down there in like two hours or however long it was supposed to take. We stop. We explore a little bit. We get lunch. My sister at the time, I think was in high school and she was dating a lifeguard down there. So I think we were going to see him, but I don't think it worked out. So we get back in the canoe to head home, still looking so pretty and sunny out but we're paddling for about two hours. And I look over to the left side, which would have been the land side of the intercoastal waterway. So away from the beach side. And I, I get so mad and I'm like, we haven't even moved. (laughs) The wind had shifted. And so we were going against the current. And so we're going, we don't even have flashlights with us. I mean, we're thinking (laughs) this is like a five and a half hour journey round trip, right? In summer. So it should be light out till like nine o'clock. So anyways, this, this journey unfolds and we finally are making it closer to destination, but it's dark now. And we don't know where we're, we don't have phones. There's no pins. We've never taken this trip before, right? So we don't know what we're doing. So it's dark and we can see people's houses on the left, but we, we're thinking, well, how much longer? Like, how far <laughs> is it? Because it's totally off, right? The timing. So we kind of say, well, okay, we'll give it another 30 or 45 minutes if we don't figure something out. We're going to just have to launch, you know, go into someone's yard, hope they don't shoot a shotgun at us and knock <laughs> on their door and ask to use their phone, <laughs> like their, their, you know, wall phone. Right. On the wall. So we, we lucked out and we instinctually found our launch site. And so we got in our car and we drove home. But the crazy part was, is um, my mom and my parents were not together, you know, already at that point, she had already called my sister's boyfriend and the Coast Guard was very close to getting launched to come and find us. Had we oh, been any later and they, wow. would have, they would have been sent to look for us. And so, but we will never forget that story. And so while it started out as a normal day, it just took every turn, wrong turn, if you will. And it took us, you know, like four times longer to get back, you know? And so, but wow. that story will always be a great memory because to yeah. your point, even in the mishap of the day, it turned out fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And I think that conflict, you know, that's, that's the big thing to any really good story, you know, a conflict is happening. Um, but yeah, that's, and I've had people ask me, well, how do you remember? How did you remember all of these stories? Well, it was such a significant thing that happened that it's, I, I always tell people it's burned into my memory, you know? Absolutely. mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. So let me ask you that. So in writing the book, you know, that was a brave in a new, uh, it was a new opportunity you took, you took this risk to write this book. So is there just a piece of advice you'd share with people about what that was like? And if people are, you know, they have this thing on their heart, but they're just not sure they're going to share it with anyone or they're going to act on it. What would you say to them? Yeah, I, I've always been a person of the bucket list, you know, even in my thirties, it's like, I, I took a little writing class and we had to write our bucket list items. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I've wanted to do this for the longest time. I'm not getting younger. And I really want to, my main goal with the, with this book was not to be on the New York bestsellers and all that. Would that be awesome? Absolutely. But my main goal was is to bring joy to our hurting planet, to our people on our planet, bring joy and laughter. If I can just bring a smile to someone, then I've reached my goal. And it's done that twofold. And then the other thing is like leaving that legacy for my family. You know, my kids, I've been asked like, your kids like you putting them in that book and they love it. They, because they live these stories with me. And when I'm gone, I will leave this for them and they will have it forever to cherish. I love it. It's so good. So let me ask you, you know, we've already talked about this quite a bit, but are there any, or is there any tangible um, just tips or thoughts you have on how people can in their own lives, you know, start to take their their life or their selves just a little less seriously and just to infuse humor and laughter in their lives a little bit more. Yeah. Humor is so subjective. So mm-hmm. I, I use the example of Seinfeld. People either love it or they can't stand it. Right. I've never met someone who's kind of in the middle. Well, it's okay. I watch it once in a while, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and humor is very much like that all the way around. So whatever it is that makes you smile, that brings your heart joy, it might be playing with your grandchild and watching them giggle. You know, it might be some people love like practical jokers on TV. Some people hate that, but find what it is that brings you joy and helps you to laugh and um, infuse that into your, into your week as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think uh, I think really it, it comes down to partly our mindset, right? It's, yes. it's how do we want our worldview, really? How do we mm-hmm. want to show up and, and perceive the world and how we interact with it and how we show how we are in it, you know, our perception yeah. of ourselves and others. And so, you know, I think that's why even having a gratitude practice helps us mm-hmm. to, like you say, even if this day was hard or something was wrong, right? Like my dad going through what they're going through right now. Yes. Is it fun? No. But every day he's has so many things he's grateful for because all five of his kids have been rotating, you know, every day, you know, doing everything we can for them. 
And so he knows like, even in this, like, I am so lucky. I'm so blessed. You know, right. Like it's still seeing the good, even when you don't feel hundred percent. And even when you don't feel your best, right. It's yes. us being angry or upset that you don't feel well. It's us being able to see that there is a silver lining. There is a bright side. There is something to be grateful for. Help you relax really. Right. And that might be laughter and it might be music. It might be you know spending time. Oh with- yeah. It can be so many things. And that's in teaching the classes that I did. Some people are like, I hate this deep breathing stuff, but I really like the writing exercises we did. Some people love to do the coloring, you know, those little coloring books right. that, that they have for adults now. So for every, some people it's listening to music. It's finding that one thing that brings you so much joy and just calmness. And you're right, you know, just being able to take a deep breath in that moment. Um, I never wanted, I, my biggest fear with writing this book and giving my message to the world was I, I never want people to think that, that they're going to, like, I feel like you should be able to find humor in every situation. I feel like there are, there are situations that are tragic and that I'm not expecting people to, well, just find the funny in it and you'll be fine, you know, but I think in taking moments in life, you know, the water heater went out. Is it crazy for us right now? Yes. Do we have to replace it? Yes. Is it expensive? Yes. But wow, you know, to hear your son yelling from the basement, the basement's flooded. (laughs) Right. Not after your bank account was hacked the same day or this happened or that happened. All you can do is go, of course it is. (laughs) I know Yeah. Well, and that just reminds me, my sister-in-law recently had some, I think it was water damage to her house. Not fun, not great, but she's had, you know, I think it's done now all the repair work, but in the process of her getting it repaired, um, one of the groups of people that was working on it was a Hispanic group. And so she really wanted to connect with them more. And she actually invited them and their families over and wanted to cook them the best that she could do, right. A a traditional um, meal. And she knew, okay, I'm probably going to blunder my way through it because this is their authentic food and it's not mine. But she did it graciously and tried her best. And a lot of the, the family didn't speak, um, other than the kids didn't speak, you know, strong English. But she ended up having them over like four or five times. And in that moment, it wasn't about humor. It was about connection and her inviting them in. In this, She had this beautiful experience and these new friends she made, even in the midst of her house getting messed up, right? And so yeah. it's... It's just like, there's normally the opposite of whatever it is, right? There's, there's light from dark and, you know, everything's opposite. So it doesn't mean that in a hard or, you know, tragic situation, there's something funny, but there's often a grace or a kindness or a person usually who's showing up in a way that um, is a, is just beautiful. Right. And I think that's what we're saying to look for is it doesn't have to be humor in every situation, but it, there is usually something there um, for us you know, mm-hmm. other than just the hard thing or the hard day or the tragedy, you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So tell me what would be um, one last uh, thing you just want to share uh, about your book? You know, I mean, we'll, we'll get the details about your book in a second, Yeah. It, but just about your book, like maybe a lesson learned in your book, or just like you were talking about the mission that you want to share with everybody. Yeah. So, so the mission I, I want to share with everybody right from the beginning is finding the funny in life's mishaps, um, and helping others to, to do the same thing. 
Um, and I don't, I think my biggest learning thing with this is, um, I mean, for those who are out there who want to be a writer, like being open to meeting all the new people. I think that it has brought such a connection in my life that I never anticipated. I just figured I'd write the book, published book, and then, you know, we're done. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Now right. I'm going out and doing book signings and meeting people. But the stories I'm hearing from people, you know, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I've got all these stories or, you know, a person who connects with rubber chickens the way I do. Cause I got yeah. a rubber chicken on the front right. of my book, but, um, it's just such a beautiful thing. And, um, I'm pretty much an introvert extrovert. So if I can stay in my house and watch the voice, I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but just meeting new people, the writing community, all the folks I've been doing interviews with for podcasts. I just, it's been such a great experience. So I say, if you're gonna, if you're thinking about it, just start doing it. And NaNoWriMo was the month that I, that I decided to write my book. Oh, that's coming up. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm starting a a new project. Yeah. I just thought, you know what? Why not? It's, it's novel writing month. Mine's not a novel, but I thought, you know what? It's a starting point. I didn't finish in that month. Uh, and there's really no pressure to finish it that month. It's setting your own goals and just working towards them. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, I've actually I did that last year as well, and mine was not a novel. I just I tried to use it as a goal for myself to do more yes. writing that month. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's in the no- month of November, I believe, right? Yep, it yeah. sure is. They have stuff through the, throughout the year, but November yeah. is their huge their yeah. huge kickoff thing. So, Gina, tell me where can people connect with you online and learn more about your book as well? Yeah, so my website is www.ginaramsey author.com. Uh, there's information on there about my speaking engagements, about the upcoming book will be on there soon. And if you do choose to purchase um, one of these books and Christmas is coming up, get get books for everybody. <laughs> yeah. But um, you can go on there and you can request me to sign uh, a book plate for you. So I can personalize that for you and also offer you a um, a bookmark that is a Burnt Glove Boxes bookmark as well. So um, I'm also on social media, on Facebook, and then also Instagram as well. Wonderful. Well, oh my gosh, thank you for being with us today. Thank you yeah. for bringing more humor and joy into a world that I agree with you. It needs more light and love and kindness and laughter. And so I love getting to connect with people on the podcast that are doing that in the world. And you're definitely doing that. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate this. And thanks again for listening in. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can check out freebies and resources we have for you at kristenfitch.com. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. Until next time, have a great week.